As an industry, we've been witness to incredible achievements made by some of the most acclaimed names in the industry. But as established names rise to the top, new, inexperienced voices step up to make their voices heard. Welcome to Dev Diary Next Gen, the Dev Diary spin-off series that highlights the next generation of talent coming through in the games industry. My name is Paul James, and today I'm joined by Sunny Tandok, and here's their journey so far. This episode of Dev Diary Next Gen has been available for a little while now on the Dev Diary Podcast Patreon feed. So please check out the show notes, get all the details there, consider throwing a few bucks for the price of a coffee, one for the entire month. You will get access to Dev Diary Next Gen the moment it goes live, as well as early access to the normal episodes of the show as well, whenever possible. So go check out the Patreon, consider pledging a little bit of support, you'll help grow the show even further. I really appreciate it and enjoy the show. So today for this latest entry of Dev Diary Next Gen, I'm joined by Sunny. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. It's good to have you on board. Um, as I was saying before the recording, one by one, we are working our way through all of the, as I've been learning recently, you're dubbing yourselves the Smarties for the most part. I don't yeah. know if you're aware of that one. Yeah. Um, which I think is a very appropriate, very cool nickname for the group. But uh, one by one, we're getting there. It's fantastic to have you on board and really excited to have a chat. Yep. Sick. I'm excited for a chat too. It's going to be good. So um, I guess before we, I mean, we're going to talk the smart program and, and all of the things that you've been doing personally soon. But I guess before we before we get to any of that, I'd love to rewind to a point before you were working on you know the creation of games and, and focus more on that consumer sort of focus. So when did video games first come into your life? Do you recall what some of the first video games were that you that you ever played? Where did it all begin for you? Um, for me, I was definitely Pokemon. Um, like, I have an older brother who's he's nine years older than me. Yeah. Like almost to the date, we have like a three. I like our birthdays actually three days apart, and I remember. Okay. Yeah, I remember. Um, I uh, I actually have a luxury tattoo. This has to do with the story. Uh, please, he was playing, please go um, for it. Yeah, he was playing um, Diamond and Pearl. I think it was Diamond specifically. Because, um, yeah, he was in uni at the time. And um, I remember him, like, I think it was the last gym. And then I remember seeing Luxrage for the first time. And I was like, that is a Pokemon I want. Like, I remember thinking that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, it is right up there. And, like, yeah, that and um, my cousin, he's like, two years older than me he moved from the philippines and like this is when they were like staying with us and my family so he had a game boy advance and i remember um we used to stay up really late just playing like pokemon emerald yep as well yeah no lots of classics um and yeah certainly some fantastic pokemon games and some pretty cool creature designs in there really i mean we're talking about yeah your diamonds and that sort of thing that's you know in that kind of peak pokemon really um in the eyes of some people in terms of some of the designs so you came in at a good time and how did your taste start to evolve from there as you i mean obviously you know kind of made that observation thought that's a cool thing i like i want that but like how did how did your taste go when it came to actually diving deeper into games did you find yourself gravitating to any i mean clearly i think pokemon was one of those genres uh, sorry franchises for you but did you find yourself gravitating towards any others any particular genres that were really of appeal to you um yeah so I've actually said this to quite a few people. I only grew up with Nintendo consoles, and I think it's yep. because my older brother is ten years older than me. So, like, my parents only knew Nintendo. That makes sense. We have like a ten-year gap, and that's what they used to buy him in the nineties. Um, so, um, yeah. So I remember, like, I got my first R four, 
when I was oh, yeah, 10, yep. 10 years old. Yeah. And like, Don't worry, Nintendo, if you're listening, no, nothing to worry about now. Everything yeah. is squeaky clean today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, yeah. Mm. Like I remember just randomly finding Animal Crossing and I didn't actually understand how to play it until I was like on this random trip as a kid. And I think this girl saw me and my sister having a DS. And I remember her on the tour bus really loudly yelling, I'm going to open PictoChat now. And then we ended up becoming friends with her on like writing stuff on PictoChat. And then she showed us how to actually play Animal Crossing. Um, Legend. I was really confused. Like, I think when we had to do like the task for Tom Nook, I had no idea what was going on. And um, yeah, I mostly stuck to a lot of Nintendo games like as a kid as well i was like i'm still really bad at platformers yep. like really really bad 2D, <laughs> 3d both i i think i just get freaked out when i see obstacles like um my friends have seen it like sometimes if i'm playing um anything past like world three in mario my brain kind of sees a goomba and my brain's just like why am i so stressed out i could just <laughs> jump when i die <laughs> Uh, it, it's not an unfamiliar story. I've, I've certainly heard it from a few others over the journey, and uh, who knows, maybe you'll be able to overcome those goombas in the future. With, I mean, I guess beyond uh, the, the Animal Crossings of the world and, and learning how to play that through some really cool circumstances, were there any other franchises that you really did click with that really um, have stuck with you? I'm trying to think. Oh, um, like the only other game like outside of Nintendo, like I was really into was, um, I, I'm really embarrassed. Like, I'm sorry oh. about like my Japanese, but I really liked the Taiko games. Oh yeah. 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 Drum games. Um, it's like something I've always been really like into. I'm terrible at the arcade version. I will admit I'm like horrible. Um, they like out me as soon as possible. I don't know why I find it. The console version a lot easier than that the makes arcade. sense. Yeah. I would say that sort of line of thinking... Well, it's certainly one I agree with when it comes to a lot of arcade games that translated consoles. Uh, fighting games, I can barely handle them with a, an actual controller, let alone the, the 5 million buttons that are presented to you at an arcade. So everything's everything's better with a with a game contro- uh, controller in hand. I'll stand by that comment in any PC gamers who can come at me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, from there, I guess, how did... Was, was there an experience or a collection of experiences that guided you towards because uh, i guess consuming video games enjoying video games is a totally different thing to actually designing and developing and play and you know making them so was there some kind of definitive moment or experience or collection of experiences that guided you towards the development of games rather than purely consuming and enjoying them um yeah so i feel like my journey was a bit different than some other game devs i um in high school i originally wanted to be a painter yep. but then i hated my um i hated my vc art teacher so um but i loved my viscom teacher so i ended up choosing animation um so i studied animation and um you know most of the things i studied in uni was more just for the you know the bit where you don't actually have to control the character it's like i personally i'm the one who's designing it and then making it move but i don't have to care about the inputs or anything yeah and i just happened to fall upon it because um i i did a lot of stuff with rmit 
like I did a lot of um, student stuff and I joined a lot of clubs and there's this specific like I think it's like a lot of um clubs fall under the umbrella of RMIT creative which is like the creative clubs and they also yep. do their own stuff um and I met this PhD student um her name's Michelle, Michelle Chen and um her I I always forget the exact wording of her research for a PhD yeah but it was like young people um who um with lived experience of depression anxiety and like how video games um could possibly help or like how that could play a role in it yeah. um and then i happened to meet her in the program because we we're doing like public art for rmit and she was like hey you do animation do you want to like make a game for my my thesis um yeah Fair so enough. i ended up making like i i ended up doing character animations for her one of her games there was like five of them and they were all like a part of um they were all like game jam games no that's that's all pretty cool and yeah it's certainly one of those i guess fascinating stories that comes up from time to time where paths just cross and people you know would potentially have never ever met they've come together in just the right circumstance that all of a sudden some really cool projects and those sort of things come from it so it's really awesome for you that you know something came of that and uh i guess how did things develop from there so you've got the itch you you've decided that you know, video games might be a pathway for you from that. Was it was it very instantaneous or did it still take a little while? Yeah, it was kind of like a little while. I just randomly joined. Like, I met a lot of people through uni clubs. So there was this old uni club at RMIT called like Blue Light Collective, which was originally yep. like, it's it, it became a multimedia collective, but it was originally focused on games, I believe. So then I joined like their creative jams and then members would hold their own game jams and I'd join in. And I think the first game, like game jam, I was a part of outside of the mental health jam was like, I didn't want to work with anyone, but I didn't have to code, so I just made a dress up game. It keeps it simple, right? Yeah, because I was just like, I want to make my own game for the first time, but I have no idea how to code. And at the time, I was like, what if I make a flash game? And then my friends were like, you have to know JavaScript, and I'm just like, okay, I'm not oh, doing damn that. It. <laughs> <laughs> And that's fair. Like it's it's easy to kind of keep hitting that that wall uh, potentially on the coding front. But yeah, if you can kind of lean into your skill set, then and or in the case of the coding and programming side, maybe more limited skill set at the time, um, good things can still come from it. And uh, obviously, you touched on you know, animation is kind of one of those things that you uh, you know uh, is one of those skill sets that you're pretty pretty handy with. Uh, so. 2D animation, you've you've had a bit to do with uh, compositing. There's uh, and you've done a bit with mixed media as well. So um, as you have progressed from that point and started to uh, move through the game development scene a little bit, and you've completed your study, you're completing your studies there. Um, how have those skill sets for you kind of enhanced as you've been able to, I guess, channel them more specifically towards video games? Yeah, I I found that it was like it's really interesting um, having that component where um, people aren't just viewing my work it's like they're actually interacting it um with it and controlling it so i think it's like made me think about things differently like when i was doing the game jam i think uh i asked them like how many frames in a walk cycle do you want and then they told me like six frames or something and i was just really surprised like how little i need for example because like did you always overestimate a little bit yeah because like with you know 
Not that you need to have a high frame rate count. You can make something very interesting if you have a lower frame rate in animation. But with games, in particular with 2D, or if you do like um, anything with pixel art, it's like you could simplify it so much. And I just didn't really think about it. Yep. Um, I mean, as an animator, I try to simplify things just because it is a lot if you make it more complicated. Um, but for me personally, I like simplifying things and I think it's made me kind of streamline a bit more. Uh, and I guess presumably better better work as a result. Yeah. Um, so I guess w- when, when you are working with people for the first time and they do give you a, a, a low count like that, like you know, six as you decided, how do you initially grapple with that? Because your skill sets would have been pat- like your, your skills and your experiences might have geared you towards a certain certain path and then this was quite different to that. How do you do- kind of dial everything back and as you said, kind of streamline things and simplify things? How do you grapple with that at first? Um, I was really surprised actually. I remember being like, oh, what do you mean just like, like that? Like it could be just that low. And then um, it was Michelle, I think. She was just kind of like, you just genuinely don't need it, especially because like the player is moving it for you. So yeah. like, by, like, yeah, using a controller or like the arrow keys, they're moving it. So they do part of the work. And it, it's cool. actually kind of like refreshing as well. Like how, how like, I find the limitations that, um, like, I know there are a lot of games that are high poly and yeah. um, very, like, even HD um, or 4K now um, and, like, all the different things that are, like, hyper-realistic. But I find that if you add um, limitations in games, especially in terms of style and all that, it makes such an interesting look absolutely um, um yeah. and it's it's one of those things in a whole range of different walks not not just creative stuff as well that li- uh, limitation often brings innovation and 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 great ideas and and out of the box thinking so um certainly i mean you know that that is perhaps a simple example but a fantastic one that really demonstrates what is possible with with the right constraints put around you and um so i guess as you speak about how that streamlined approach is very much your sort of thing is is that a constant like you know how what in terms of constraints and limitations are they constantly always on the mind like how can i work within this box but do something outside of it yeah i I think that's how i am as a creative because um i think something that i i kind of differ with from some of my peers is that i think a lot of people go big or go home but my brain is just kind of like I want to finish the product first yep. and go home. That's and I, I know that's like different for other people, but I like, I like having the constraints and I like having kind of like goals and like stretch goals if I do yep. meet it. Um, because this is like for me personally, I think growing up, I would never finish a project. And I think something I learned in union working with other people is that I kind of do like, um, I, I actually like scoping. I realize I actually really like scoping. That's that's fair. <laughs> I realistically, um, and I think it's just kind of like a thing where growing up, I always wanted to like prove people wrong, kind of thing. But like, yeah. but I I like being realistic with myself and being like, okay, if I achieve this, it's still good. I don't have to make this. Like, I do want to make an amazing product. But I want to be realistic with it, so I don't have to be working on it for like years. 
Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, obviously, you know, the, the sayings like feature creep and all those sort of things are big factors, but also there's something to be said for, and it's a conversation that's come up with, with others from the, the smart program so far that have said similar sort of things. There's something to be said for actually seeing a project to its completion. And as you said, you're not spending years on it, losing your entire life to the whole thing. Being able to complete something, learn from it, and go again. And perhaps the scope is a little bit greater perhaps not you, you know you bring what you've learned from the last project to that one and and approach things in a totally different fashion it's again those smaller development arcs are really important things as well yeah no exactly and like i i think um a lot of people want to do actually i i remember this in uni um when i was developing my short film um a teacher pointed out a lot of people like we grew up with feature films for example right yep. and now people have grown up with like triple a games but because of that people have kind of lost the art of like a short film or like yeah. a smaller indie game like i think games that are like 10 hours i forgot like how nice it is finishing a game and having like an end point yeah um yeah. there's and even for the sake of when this Oh no! When this goes live, it's perfectly safe. Uh, I think about like I've been playing, and I guess you were speaking about being a Nintendo fan before. I've been playing Pikmin Four recently um, in the lead up to review, and and I've played every other Pikmin in the franchise. Okay, great. They're you know a dozen hours. It's nice and contained. And I have hardly anything bad to say about Pikmin Four, but it took me forty hours. I was completely floored by the amount that had gone into that game. And as for as brilliant as it was, I did think about it after. Go, gee, I would have loved for it still to be that shorter more contained thing and it's just every game we see is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and um i I, like i'm a teacher professionally i work with a lot of teenagers and they all talk about you know when i have conversations about their favorite games and those sort of things as you said rarely does an indie game come up where does really does a smaller game come up they talk about gta and obviously that's i mean look they've got certain certain other variables in the mix but also it's huge they talk about it's all these games that just seemingly never end mm. and yeah, i want a close like, experience no exactly like i like games that never end like i was one of those people in lockdown and my friend literally said i, I had like baby hours i only hit like 300 hours in animal crossing um, <laughs> but like no like my friend was like i hit 2000 and i'm just like what okay, that's fair enough yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um and then he, he did say it was like kind of like oh those are rookie hours but I was kind of like, oh, I, I like games that are like never ending as well and like I do oh there's a place on, for him for sure yeah and I do plan on looking back at like my island at some point I'm now procrastinating it because I'm scared to see what it is now but oh the waiting is gonna be insane right yeah no it, it is um it will be um but it is nice like having the option of being like okay this game will end in like 20 hours and like um like uh I, i'm gonna continue it at some point i picked up art academy for fun like yep. last year and like it's kind of nice just being able to like sit on my ds for like five minutes and doodle and like follow an art activity for example on like art academy and be done yeah and go about your day again and that's obviously a really small scale kind of idea of what we were just talking about but it's it's super applicable and um it does seem like, especially in the AAA space, and maybe maybe budgets have a little bit to do with it as well, but um, it does feel like there's a, a trend that's starting to begin of games just starting to get a little bit shorter again. And I hope that uh, I hope that that continues because 
there's some of these experiences that I'm sure like you I'd like to actually finish sometime in a in some sort of decent timeline rather than yeah dozens hundreds two thousand hours <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine putting that much time into Animal Crossing um, I enjoyed it really really enjoyed it yeah I don't think I, I got really to would you say 300 hours for yourself I can't even imagine multiplying that by six and a half yeah I, I don't actually know what can um, you do <laughs> Yeah, no, I like, I hit the point, I think I played like every day for three months in lockdown. Um, and it like got to the point where like last month it would just be like maintaining it for an hour. And that's it. Like my island before I was just like, oh, I have nothing to do now. That's also because I didn't time travel until like, I know some people are like, oh, you're not meant to time travel. I ended up time traveling at like month three because I got really bored. I'm just like, oh. You need to create your own fun a little bit. Yeah. No, I can respect that. Um, so... I guess today, as of when we record, the the smart program is something that you're a part of, and and I've had the opportunity to chat to several others from the program as well about their experiences. Now it is very early days, but how's it been so far? Yeah, no, it's been really good. Um, I've only happened to be in induction and then my two days, and then I got really sick last week, so I wasn't able to go in. But um, it's been really nice, and I've um, been able to meet a lot of new people, awesome. and like being able to share the space with other. Um, studios have been really has been really good and um yeah it's really nice just like talking to people again like with similar interests um because like i kind of had that feeling in animation i was kind of like going and it's like wow everyone likes the things i like um it's kind of cool yeah so it's been really nice um, and so obviously for anyone who's perhaps new to the smart program as they're listening today, uh, you're getting to partner up with Samurai Punk, who are obviously a very well-established Australian Melbourne-based studio and have done some incredible things, very diverse types of games over the years as well, vastly different. Um, but there you've got Summerfall in the area as well, plenty of hot desks that people come and go from. It's a, it's a, and I guess, you know, Summerfall at the moment is, uh, well, they'll be going mad at the moment with the, the launch of, uh, Stray Gods being very imminent as of when we actually record this, um, so what's it been like just kind of existing in the space, even if you're not necessarily chatting to mentors and those sort of things, but, and I know you haven't had a great deal of opportunity yet due to illness, but just sitting there and kind of taking in, what, what is the space like as you consume it all? Um, the space has been really nice. Like, I think that's why I used to go to uni all the time is like, I remember going in and trying to get a Cintiq yep. um, to draw on. It's kind of like, it's nice having that feeling, just be like, oh, there's a desk. But the difference is it's like I don't have to fight other students for it and not everyone's trying to do assignments. It's like for me, um, well, when it's my assigned days. Um, and it's really nice just like talking to people um, as well about like the projects they're working on or the communities they're a part of. Um, and I'm, I'm a bit lucky in that um, I have a couple of friends who um like who were my cohort or the cohort above um working in some of the studios there so it was kind oh, of like yeah I, I like I, I applied for this and I didn't really know that it would be they'd be in the office space so it's really nice seeing people again as well yeah familiar um, friendly faces is always good yeah. and yeah, so yeah. I guess you talk. We've been talking about you know creative ideas and so, so much kind of going on in the space. Uh, we haven't really delved too much deep. We haven't even really referenced it too much yet, but uh, I'd love to pick your brain a little bit about uh, some of your work with uh, Living Museum of the West because, uh, I mean, Felicia, the amazing Felicia who's helped 
facilitate all these conversations, put through a little pitch there, sent me a link, and it all looked really, really cool. So I'd love for anyone who's listening today who's not familiar, if you could just expand upon that idea a little bit uh, for me. Um, like the museum or the game? Um, oh, the game. Sorry, the game itself, yeah. yeah. Um, so the game is currently under working title, so it's currently, it's currently calling it Untitled Baseball Game because it's untitled and it's a baseball game. Yep. Um, and it's going to be based in a fantasy footscray. Um, and we're going to incorporate historical and like contemporary elements of um, footscray and the inner West um, culture into our world building pretty much. Yeah. No, that's, that, that's pretty cool. Um, there's obviously, yeah, uh, specifically in footscray, not that there's, it's lacking in other parts of Melbourne as well, but uh, a lot of culture, a lot of diversity, lots of really, really cool ideas in the space and, and yeah, a lot of history too. So, so that'd be, that'd be really, really fascinating. Um, now, obviously we've spoken about your 2D animation skill set. We've spoken about perhaps a, not the greatest love of platforming, I guess, in terms of that moment to moment experience for, for players, what could they expect a little bit? Um, so at the moment it's really, we're really in, um, early pre-production, but yep. the plan is currently to, um, incorporate RPG elements and, um, dating sim elements and, um, like a visual novel. Um, and I think at the moment we're planning on doing a one bit style. I don't think we have plans on changing it, but, um, like a big inspiration in the kind of styles like princess remedy so kind oh, of yeah. yeah um so like the bright colors but it's not actually like it's one bit in style but like different colors and it'll be really good and we're going to incorporate some like uh we we talked about um incorporating some multi media elements as well into it that in, that like can be used in um like in a similar one bit style um something that we're actually looking into is um um, I'm Filipino, yep. and since we want to reflect um, cultures within Footscray, I, we are looking at incorporating bits of Filipino culture, um, in particular like traditional Filipino um, woven materials and stuff. And because, oh, very cool. Yeah, the way like woven materials work, it kind of does have like that pixel art aesthetic. So we're going to look more into that and how we could possibly incorporate it with a one-bit style, like for a character specifically. Yeah. Okay. So you got you've certainly got someone in mind that you kind of build this around, but but still really really cool and um obviously super important to be able to try and integrate your own culture, other cultures. It's it's really really awesome. And um obviously as as we've touched on already, Footscray is an area that is so diverse. So not only will there hopefully be that uh, the the Filipino Filipino aspect that you're obviously just referring to, but I guess maybe well I think you confirm pretty comfortably that there's going to be so much other representation there as well so it's going to be really really fantastic um thank you for sharing a little bit about that and people should absolutely make sure they keep their eyes out for more in the future um but as we start to wind things down is there anyone and whether it's whether it's through the animation focus whether it's more of a a game design sort of bent is there anyone who's been a real inspiration to you in the way you go about your work Um, you've worked with or look at from afar i guess Oh, um, yeah, something that I'm also, like, interested in getting into, and I did some workshops with them, is um, I love the work of, um, hang on, I'm going to make sure, I'm sorry if I no, pronounced no. his last name wrong. Um, That's right, we, the, there's, always, yeah. there's always those sorts um, of challenges. Yeah, um, I think it's, okay, 
Chad and Helen in particular, so like um, Chad, um, is it Toprak? I'm, I'm hoping I should look that up better. Um, and um, Helen Clock. Um, so they do a lot of, um, well, Chad used to um, be the previous artistic director of, um, sorry, of Free Play. Oh, um, yep, yep. But they do some like very interesting non-digital game workshops and oh, nice. um, things that you could do around the city. So like one thing was like rainbow paths and they were like, you'd follow the paths along the, um, on the sidewalk and then like do little activities. Um, and they did workshops for it. And that is something that I, I developed one non-digital game in that workshop and I'd like to work on that in the future. Um, but also they do some very interesting work like with the NGV um, and the um, science museum. And I think it's very interesting incorporating games, especially in like a fine art space in particular, because I think games, you know, is typically targeted towards consumers. And I think it's actually really interesting finding a different target market and people who are more interested in fine art, as well as the fact that like, they're a big part of the games industry in Australia and Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely. And it's certainly like at face value, it's one of those things that they, you know, the fine arts and, and kind of video games would typically kind of clash a little bit. And I think that's largely because of what you said with the the more consumer sort of bent, but to be able to kind of get those two a little more intertwined and uh, it would be, would be fascinating. Um, and obviously some fantastic inspirations there for you as well. Uh, so far, and the journey is, the journey is still early. Um, has there been anything in, in particular that you've really learnt and considered valuable from this journey so far? um yeah i'm honestly finding a lot of i think going into animation because animation also happened to be next to the game design um rooms yeah i mean there's a little bit of crossover right yeah so i i thought there was like a lot more similarity i mean there is a lot of things that are similar but there's a lot of new processes i'm learning about yeah something that i'm like learning and I, I'm grateful I did choose to do animation at RMIT um also because I think I, I mean realistically I knew as um that's part of the reason why I didn't apply it was like I knew as soon as they'd make me code I'd like be like I want this to be over I just want to draw I just want to do something on the art side um <coughs> but it's been really like fun learning the process and even like Michelle's work in her PhD and she actually made a little game recently um yep. in collaboration with the immigration museum um has been like really interesting like finding like how in melbourne in particular how games is actually intertwining with its culture itself like for example with like helen and chad's um non-digital games and incorporating like melbourne's like urban landscape in um their game design and um yeah, Michelle's game was actually really funny because it was like little avatars um, she featured and people like, um, so these avatars would kind of ask you questions about Melbourne's culture. For example, like, what do you think of Melbourne's coffee culture? Um, and then you'd answer it and then you could have a little avatar walking around and then they ask that question, but then they also repeat the answer you gave. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, so I think it's like, it's been really nice learning about a different like scene in Melbourne because I think the animation industry in Melbourne is also really close knit. 
Yes. And I think it's really nice seeing it reflected in another, like, system another industry. Yeah. No, that's that's really, really cool. And, and obviously lots of opportunities that comes from that with kind of two very different but also closely related uh, yeah. disciplines there and industries. Uh, I'm sure there'll be lots you can pick from both that'll help enhance your work in, in all respects. Some Some lighter, fun ones as we start to wrap up. If you could be credited for any game, retroactively add your name into the credits. So it's already launched. You can, you know, just, I wish I could be a part of that. What game would you pick? Uh, I, I hate that my friends are like Pokemon. I want to like, I want them to like <laughs> design that specific Pokemon. Um, or like, um, yeah, Pokemon or like even like Animal Crossing. I think like the way I draw, I think um, you can kind of see like I have this kind of wholesome style. Sometimes when I draw things yep. cutesy and I think you could tell that I really liked Pokemon Inspired and Animal Crossing. By... Up. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Or um, yeah, I'm trying to think of something else, but I can't think of something. Um, I oh, think... look, if you had anything to do with both of those franchises, then you're doing very, very well for yourself, right? So some good choices there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also think like, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I would love to be like, um, like credited for like there's oh like for example like Monster Prom like I would have loved to oh, work yeah. on like those um big dating sims that people really loved on Tumblr, but I think that's because they have a special place in my heart as well. <laughs> no, that that's fine. Yeah. Sometimes you got to be right there and uh, right place, right time. So I can I can completely understand that. Uh, conversely, if you could go back and replay a game so you could strike it from your memory and get to experience it all over again would it be the 300 hours of animal crossing or is there something else <laughs> um yeah okay so i don't i i get really i'm really anxious about playing video games but like if i was actually good at it i was watching because like, i watch a lot of video essays yeah um i would strike my memory and like um play like amori um, oh yeah I, I actually watched i watched a video essay first and like my friends in high school like i remember both of them had like omocat sweaters so then when like amori finally came out i was like cool but i spoiled it for myself by watching this by video watching some stuff on youtube um yeah so i would do that and then actually play it i very nearly fell into the same trap and it was more for me because i actually backed that game on kickstarter Oh, however long ago that was now it must be 10 years I feel like at this point because it was a it was a lengthy development but uh, then proceeded to nearly spoil myself everything on the internet before, before actually playing the game so I can actually relate to the thing there I I, I didn't quite do it but I nearly just took a very deep dive into it all of it and, uh, it's a fantastic game so people should absolutely go and check it out if they haven't already as well and uh, a pretty good one to I guess yeah, strike your memory of all that video that you've watched and, and get to play it properly yourself yeah, I've only played like five hours and I'm just like, oh, I already know the ending. I don't know why I did that to myself. <laughs> it takes away a little bit from yourself. Yeah, I can appreciate that. Um, well, Sonny, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this journey so far. It's been it's been fantastic to pick your brain and to learn about what you do. If people want to themselves, those listening, learn more about what you're up to, see some of your work, where should people go? Um, and whether that's social media, mostly... websites, etc. Yeah, Um. so my... Um... My Twitter and Instagram are the same handle, so it's um, awesome. my last name. So T, so it's Tandoff, but with a zero. So it's T A N D zero C. Awesome. Um, 
And then my website was also the same. So it's tandoc um, with a zero and then it's a dot. Um, <laughs> U-W-U, so uwu dot I, so A-I. Awesome. People, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, they're all there for people to listen back to. I'll make sure to pop in the show notes. That way it's, uh, it's easy for people to access and just click straight through. But uh, lots to keep track of. And, and you're doing some amazing work. This, this journey is still early. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best for that. And, of course, uh, with the smart program and the month still to come for that as well, uh, I hope that goes incredibly well. There's, there's so many amazing people there at just the couple of studios that we've already touched on, let alone those at the hot desks and let alone the fact that you, you know, as it so happens, you know a few people there already. You've, you've, you've come in at a great time with a great opportunity and, and I hope that uh, it's, it's really good to you. Yeah, thank you. And uh, as I mentioned, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's, it's been great to have you. Yeah, no worries. I appreciate you having me. That was awesome. And listeners, as always, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary Next Gen. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until the next episode, however, that's been Sunny Story. Thank you much for listening, and I'll see you next time.